Welcome to the Queen City Preachers Podcast. I'm Pastor Andrew. And I'm Pastor Molly. And we, uh, we're we back. It's it's sunny after, uh, it's still cold, but uh, yeah, we had a little winter, winter stormy. Yeah. Yes, and Snow day. Snow day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but we've also had a hiatus from um, being with y'all. Um, we're very sorry. Not we intentional. <laughs> another couple funerals and got a little overwhelmed and just couldn't fit it into our week. So yeah, forgiveness. So, um, yeah, but we're back. We're still we on are. Lent. We are. And and we're grateful for your grace. Mm-hmm. Um, we're leading up to the third Sunday in Lent. Third yeah, Sunday? third Sunday. Yes, the third, third Sunday in yeah. Lent. Um, we're jumping ahead to the book of John. Um, so we're getting a little take on some stories. And we got a real fun classic for you today, Jesus in the Temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love a tantrum in a temple? A tantrum, a tantrum that trashes the temple. Wow, mm-hmm. the alliteration. <laughs> yeah, You're obviously. Going to go there in the sermon, just like obviously. so many T's. Yeah, um, <laughs> this whole sermon is just going to be T words. <laughs> <laughs> it might be very short, <laughs> but I don't know if people would mind that either. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is interesting because um, in we're kind of used to thinking about lection about sticking with texts in lectionary seasons and um mm-hmm. and that's not totally true that we generally are with Mark and we're with Mark kind of the rest of the way but we're bouncing to John and then the interesting piece though is we then dive we go to John after Easter mm-hmm. um in year B in in this year cycle mm-hmm. so like we're going to see this is just a little teaser yeah in some ways this this is a foretaste of what is to come foretaste right of like more John to come of more John to come uh-huh. um but but just know that we will be back with Mark, um, and we'll walk with Mark through Holy Week too this mm-hmm. year. So, um, which is which is good. But um, yeah, this is Mark doesn't have this lovely interlude of John, that John shares with us. Okay, well, so let's buckle up. So we are in John, and we're in chapter two, starting in verse thirteen. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. All right. Okay, so I want to backtrack on my last statement. It is in Mark. It just doesn't tie it into the three days bodily resurrection narrative that John does, which oh, is why— it doesn't why have the after— It um, doesn't have the explanation. The explanation. Of it. Yeah, okay. it, it then goes into authority about prayer, Jesus curses yeah. the fig tree, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, well, I believed you, so— Yeah, well, you know— um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Could it have is, run with it. It but, is in Mark, but— for some reason, they thought we need this portion in John because we need to explain to the people that he's really talking about his body and raising that up in three days. Which is a an interesting 
thing to think about of what is the intention of of John in sharing mm-hmm. the story differently than how Mark does. And I mean, we're not going to we're not going to lay those texts next to each yeah. other and examine them, but but it is interesting thinking about um especially in our theme of embodiment. Mm-hmm. What is the significance of naming oh yeah, of naming body in this yeah. in this passage because it's not it's not tended to in Mark. Mark doesn't go there. He doesn't explain it for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark, Mark's not really big on explanations. Mark's kind of no, short and terse. He's a show it and yeah, then you figure yeah, it out kind exactly. of writer. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of the the interpretations that I know of that, I mean, I found meaningful before at different times was that Jesus is upset here because the people who are selling things in the temple are like cheating the people in some way. It's not necessarily that they're selling things in the temple because that was a normal practice. And it wasn't really like inside the Holy of Holies in the temple, right? Right. It's It's in the courtyard. Yeah. Outside in the courtyard, they're selling the stuff that would be regularly used for the sacrifices that were just a a regular practice, right? Sacrificing to God um, that people would do multiple times a day. And then especially during festivals, like we've got Jesus coming up for the Passover, a big deal, right? So it's not that he's not like taking part in these things too, which is interesting, right? Because he's coming up for Passover, reminder that he is a Jewish person and he's not necessarily speaking about like the foundations of Judaism. Right, yeah. And that that the context, I mean, in so many ways, we have Jesus returning to a place. And remember Jesus, and this is especially true in Mark already, Mm -hmm. Jesus has been um, so focused on how do we understand where God is present in the world. Yeah. And to then return to the place where the Jewish identity is that God is present, mm-hmm. um, which he's already been trying to explode. Yes. Um, and then to see it this way mm-hmm. is an interesting context to wrestle with, is to say, how Definitely. do we how do we name name the places that that we view as holy? Um, but also how do we understand in some ways this with Jesus who's trying to expand it but still gets upset mm-hmm. in this context and where where does that lie in how we understand our own treatment of the sacred and profane, which yeah. in that world there wasn't quite that that um, duality quite in the same way in understanding in Jewish life, like life was sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the Holy of Holies in the temple. Yeah, but there's like, the clean but and unclean. Clean and unclean, yeah. but it's not... It's not the same worldview that we might have today about that. Yeah, I think what you're kind of bringing up for me there is interesting too because it's it's kind of like Jesus is defending the temple, right? Keeping it like, hey, like yeah. you got to keep it like holy, like this is my father's house, you know. Think about what you're doing here and how you're treating the people who are coming here. But then it's also, we kind of read it as this supersessionist kind of text too, in some ways that it's like, oh, Jesus is replacing the temple with himself, right? Yeah, and, and that's an interesting and funky but, thing to wrestle with, right? Yes, yeah. it is. It is in a sense, if we're, th- it's anti, like, it can be read as anti-Semitic in some ways because we're like, oh, we don't need your way of doing things. But I think it's more interesting within the context of one of the commentaries that I read, which puts it in the place of the jo- Johannan community um, practicing later, like when the text is actually written, like in the years yeah. like 80 to 90. 
and reconciling this with the fact that the temple has been destroyed, destroyed, has already been destroyed. And it's not that the Jewish people destroyed it. I mean, there was this uprising in the war, the first Jewish-Roman war, and the Romans destroyed the temple. Absolutely. Right? The oppressors. So it's like, it's not so much that it's like, you don't need this temple, abandon it. But it's like, what do we do with the response of like, our temple has been destroyed? Mm-hmm. And it's it's mm-hmm. looking at it from a different perspective. Like when you're reading back on this, okay, the temple's gone. Like, what do we do now with the center of our life and being and worship to God? Yeah. And, you know, you can think about that literally in the context of of loss of worship community or loss mm-hmm. of sacred space. Yeah. But then you can think about it metaphorically about how do we understand G- Jesus's extrapolation of the body, mm-hmm. his body, mm-hmm. which then says, wait, our bodies are temples, which. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I, that's cliche too, but like, but at the it, same it time. It gets into the weird purity yeah, culture. Yeah, it, it does, which I do not want to tread into. <laughs> no. But but it does raise the question of what happens when we feel that our bodies have betrayed us or fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Or, been right? or been destroyed by, by disease the, or other things. Or, destroyed, especially by the oppressor. Ooh, I think that's yeah, an important one yeah, here too. That's, that's a powerful an distinction. Parallel because the Johannan community is looking at this in the sense that like our temple was destroyed and it was destroyed by the Romans, right? Yeah. And like, why didn't God stop that? But then we look at Jesus and saying, okay, well, Jesus was killed by the mm-hmm. Romans on the cross, but they couldn't really kill him because he came back, you know? Yeah. So how do we kind of hold those two things in tension? And what is that God saying about Jesus' body and our body and the powers in this world that try to both oppress and destroy and kill us, you know? And and it's one thing to say that as as white cisgendered folks. It's sure. another thing to think about that for our African-American yeah. black brothers and sisters, yeah. siblings yeah. of, of uh different gender identities and expressions um like that it's more powerful it's much more powerful right i mean and and i think it it intertwines in in all of our experiences in different ways but at the same time it's just yeah it's amazing to think about what does what does it mean for god to say the oppressor cannot just actually destroy your body yeah or even if you think about it too like metaphorically with like illness or disease or you know yeah. Like if you think about cancer as an oppressive force that is trying to destroy your body, right? And mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the life and death aspects of those things as well. It yeah. can be really meaningful for people, you know, outside of the we're actually being oppressed by another person group. Right. And mm-hmm. and this actually makes it, you know, not just doctrinally, but pastorally pastorally from like a, a how we tend to one another perspective. Um for the line, I believe in the bodily resurrection, mm-hmm. to be in the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. Because it basically says, I believe that God's ability trumps any ability of an oppressor to break my body. Yeah, yeah. In any way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's profound. Yeah, yeah. Um, and And I think, too, you know, like, yes, they can destroy a building, but they can't destroy God, you know? Right. And that's that remembering too, right, where God is present. And that's kind of what we were talking about at the beginning too, which, which goes back to Jesus kind of creating this expansiveness of where is God present in the world. 
and how is God at work? And, you know, it's not on our terms. It's not in this space or place that we have created for God to be present in. And that's the only place he can be in the temple, right? Yeah, It's God being at work and all the healing and Jesus when he's on the move. And to me, that's going back to a more, um, if we're trying to like connect between the Israelite tradition and not like the supersessionism of it, it's just that like it goes back to where God was at the beginning, right? Like look up at the stars, Abraham, you know, right? Like you the know, promises and the, yeah, and the, the restoration. Look, and come the, up to Mount Sinai. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be in the cl- the, the presence, pow- the power, the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. I'll be in your tent as you move it along, you know? Yeah. It only, you know, the temple, it only becomes that when they, they put the ark in the temple and say, this is where it will be forever and ever. Yeah. Which is really interesting because in some ways, um, you know, tying those two worlds together. And I think Jesus kind of explodes this in some ways with, with the bodily, the incarnational theology there, but like, Mm -hmm. But even the the going before with fire cloud, being the presence of God in those ways, mm-hmm. um, bearing witness to the covenant and the promise, right? Mm-hmm. But that it's also it's about it's about being with the people. Mm-hmm. It's not about being with a place. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I and I think that even Jesus's um, perspective, in a lot of ways, is saying. This isn't about just the place. Mm-hmm. This is about that we are in this place and that God is here with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and in some ways that ties into the bodily piece. Yeah. Too. And who's allowed to be there too. Yeah. Because when we think about it like in the the temple setup as well, this courtyard where people were was a place where Gentiles could be as well. But the holies wasn't a place where Gentiles could be. Yeah, And so it's this expansiveness of Jesus coming to you in a place where you can actually be and not where you're excluded from. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that goes into the commentaries that would argue with this text that Jesus is trying to assert that that in certain, some ways the temple isn't necessary, mm-hmm. that that God's house is bigger than yeah. a single space. Um, but mm-hmm. like... But yes I think, and no, though, yeah, and and I, yeah, and, and I think that's the fine line. There is mm-hmm. that question of that 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 we em- we embody space and place, mm-hmm. like and places matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like, in some ways, that that I do think like what you're saying um, is this is the more significant piece of that is that it's it's about making the space open mm-hmm. rather than closed off. Yeah. Yeah. That it's about inclusivity and yeah. inclusion. And it's it's if you look at it from the later perspective of the temple already being destroyed, mm-hmm. it, it is that, OK, it's gone. And you might think that's the end. Right. But it's not the end. You know, it's like it's like when you lose something that you think is your end all be all. Yeah. But then you recognize you can still go on after it. True. Um, and that that's another powerful one to weave into mm-hmm. our own bodies. And that's the difference between, I think, the perspective of like God's going to take away your temple because mm. you don't need it versus mm-hmm. like when you lose something that you thought was so important, how do you go forward after this? Yeah. And maybe that God reminds you 
that the power to restore mm-hmm. is not in the hands of those who destroyed. Yeah. And it's also not in your hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do another building project to make God be present among you. Right. <laughs> right. And that, that it doesn't need God, to be another God's, 47 years. That God's <laughs> presence. Now, that doesn't say what that restoration looks like. Right. We don't have that necessarily. No. Mm-hmm. But like, but we do get this, this promise of, you know, and with John articulating Jesus's, you know, temple analogy with body, mm-hmm. um, that what we do have is we have a, an understanding that God is not going to let that be the last word. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an interesting, in some ways, that's a really interesting foretaste of sitting in this Holy Saturday awkwardness, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's basically saying the destruction of the body is not what lasts. It may feel like it lasts, mm-hmm. but ultimately that is not what lasts mm-hmm. in the eyes of God mm-hmm. and in the world of God. Yeah, which is that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's. I th- I think that's beautiful. I also think it's really hard. <laughs> like I mean, I <laughs> yeah. What's what do you what do you? Well, finding what I think hard? is ha- what I think is hard is that you know, um, is that we live in a world where things do feel final. Mm-hmm. Where death feels final, even though we still we profess this faith that it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a world where you know science is constantly wrestling with disease and illness and cancer and mm-hmm. various different manifestations of of death. Yeah, and finding ways to thwart it and to um, cure disease, but at the same time, you know, it's still ugly. Um, yeah. Death is never. I mean, death is never pretty. Mm-hmm. It can come more peacefully. Yeah. Um, but to me, I think that's the hard part of this is that we don't even G- like Jesus's bodily resurrection. We he still has the wounds in his hands. Mm-hmm. Right. He's whole. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's that question of, of how do we live in that tension of what what God's restoration actually looks like? Yeah. And And what does it mean? It's one thing to profess the promise of. Of restoration and that that the oppressor has doesn't have the last word. Yeah, which I think is really it doesn't mean key. it's not going to be painful, right? And it doesn't yeah. mean that it's not also going to leave marks mm-hmm. or change you. Yes, right, change the entire community. And like even those who don't follow Jesus, who are in the Israelite you know Hebrew community, they're changed by the destruction of. The temple, obviously, too, yeah, right? Absolutely, you know? yeah. It changes the entire community. Yeah, and the way things are done in a lot of ways, right? We move into more of the rabbinical tradition um, going forward in the synagogues. Um, yeah, and so it's it is that it is that like it is like thinking about it as as birth, you know, the painfulness of it, the contractions, the birth pangs, you know. All those Taking things, us right? back to those images that we get yeah. in Genesis as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, like in yeah. Exodus, like it's not going to be easy. And there's not the promise is not this will be smooth sailing for you. You know, the promise is just that what you think might be the end mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah. And that that God is present within it and can't be destroyed by the forces that you feel like are destructive. Right. Yeah. And I think that's true with the temple because I just imagine like the people in the Johannan community really grieving over the loss of the temple, the loss of their place 
you know, the violence, the war, all of those things that are happening. There's just a lot of, I imagine there's a lot of grief going on. Which also, you know, we romanticize as well, Mm -hmm. which then in some ways with John and the, and Jesus is, you know, driving him out with the whips Mm -hmm. um, to glorify a pushing out of the desecration of anything that is in opposition yeah. to the, the goodness of this, of that space mm-hmm. is also a lifting, lifting up of the memory of what was good mm-hmm. um, yeah. and trying to hold that. Yeah. Um, and that Jesus participated in trying to do that, that mm-hmm. it, it isn't just metaphor in that way, right? That it's. Yeah. It's like, it's like this, remember like that Jesus cared about that place too. Right. You know, it, he yeah. was coming there for the Passover too. You know, it was important to him as well. It's this like kind of empathetic um connection between the people and Jesus, right? Like he valued the place that we valued. And you know, but like what's the new thing, you know, now that it's gone, now that it's been destroyed, you know, is it just a we rebuild it or is it if we move, look to what's in the future? Yeah, and I love what you just said there of he valued the same things we valued. Mm-hmm. Because then if you then twist that into the Johannian, my I will be my rebuilt it will be rebuilt in 3 days, right? Mm-hmm. That the body is valued yeah. in the same way mm-hmm. as your body. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And which to me this is kind of like wow, way to stick it to Paul cuz Paul really mm-hmm. Paul has a hard time with bodies. But like yeah. But I think like that this in some ways, this is a celebration of that, yeah. too. And also it's, name. That's one of the things that we have in common with Jesus. Yeah, it's the death too. like his and the resurrection like his. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Which we've said a lot lately. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And every time I say it, I'm just like, oh, I have to lean into this even further because I'm just yeah. like, this is just it's it's hard. Um, but it's also it's beautiful that mm-hmm. it's that promise of. Of yeah. of similar of. But yeah. anything that involves Connection. the unknown future is difficult, right? Especially when the un- unknown, when the ambiguous leaves space for suffering yeah. and pain. Yeah. yeah. And losing something that you felt like was so important too. Yeah. You know, loss. Loss. Mm-hmm. Loss. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you could it'd probably be interesting to, you know, read through this through the lens of grief. Um Right. I mean, like, you know, even like Kubler-Ross, like at stages of grief and like how mm-hmm. how do we understand that shift mm-hmm. culturally? But I think it's really it's really powerful to think about in our own lives mm-hmm. um, the the physicality and not just, let's say, of a church, mm-hmm. but where are the places that are, quote, sacred to us mm-hmm. that have been lost? Mm. And have we grieved that? Yeah, like a childhood home, right? you know, like a place where friends used to meet, you know, just, yeah, I yeah. think about those kinds of things. And then, and then thinking, extending that even further, thinking about how do we, how do we also grieve bodies lost, our own, whether it be illness or otherwise, or just changes. I mean, we all get older, right? And bodies shift, yeah. evolve, but like, but also those we love mm-hmm. um, and whether they are fighting disease or whether they have uh, died and are held in that promise, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. it's powerful to think about where the grief lies in all of that mm-hmm. and how we also hold on to that and name it, but also lean into the 
into the promise mm-hmm. and make space to speak the grief. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about the, like the Jesus trying to empathize with the people that like, it's not because I think it's so we often read this text as like a condemnation for what's going on at the temple and yeah. just kind of lump it into oh, Jesus is still mad at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, but like this is what if if he's trying to clean up the temple so that he can show the people that it's important to him, too, and the holiness is important to him, too, of it in the future, right, in the, for the people in the future to look back and see that and to remember that Jesus was zealous about his father's house and that this place was his father's house for so long for the people and that that mattered to him, too. That it breaks his heart. Mm-hmm. That there's yeah. a very human side of this, not just a angry yeah. side of this. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it is easy to just be like, ah, angry Jesus, you know. I mean, if you've ever and ignore yeah. angry Jesus too, like, right. I'm not dealing with angry yeah. Jesus. I love the image that you share that you you mentioned of like a childhood home, mm-hmm. and like if you've ever driven past a childhood home or a grandparents' home or another mm-hmm. home, um, that you know from childhood, yeah, and have seen it totally altered, yes, or completely Oof, yeah. abandoned in in, in of mm-hmm. care, yep. Um, there's a very visceral heartbreak. Mm-hmm in yeah. that like that in a different way so much of your memories so many of your memories and that ties right back into this too is that the temple was the place of institutional memory yeah it was the place of communal memory of mm-hmm. saying these are the promises we heard mm-hmm. let's remember the stars that were and the the number of the, i mean of the the promise of of and a promise of a, a land and a place that would be our own yeah. And a, a temple in that place, you know, a place of security and safety. And then like the Romans destroy all of that. Right. And all of that security and safety in our own land and our home place are all gone. Like it's all gone now. Yeah. It's as if you're going past that home and now you're homeless and you're right. like, wow, remember what that home used to be like for us. Now we've got nothing. Which means that remembering that home and finding a place mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. But it also becomes really important, I think, as in some ways to say those memories can reside with each and every one of us. Yeah. And it's that if that thing is gone, God will provide a new way forward for you. Like that it's not just because that home is gone that God has abandoned you. Right. Because often. Exactly. Yeah. We think that too. Right. Like if we have an illness. We think, oh, if God doesn't save me from this illness, God has abandoned me. No, God is present in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if those things kill us, God is still there. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about this. This notion of God being present in those things that hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm hmm. And I think about it that, you know, that Jesus is taking a whip, right? Something that hurts Mm -hmm. and is trying to create space that is open Mm -hmm. and a pathway to be present to God. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that says that pain is necessary, but what I mean is that that God is present in the midst of all these things in our lives Mm -hmm. and that God also is going to see us through all of those things, whether it is cleansing and painful 
or leaves us feeling raw and broken, mm -hmm. God is still present in all of it. But I just, I don't know, that humanness piece of that too, that notion of a, mm -hmm. a, t a tool that inflicts pain being something that is also driving out that which could also inflict pain. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. The unfair practice. This is, but, and also mm -hmm. um, the brokenness of memory. The thinking that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. The failing to trust the promise. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's a lot. I like that. Yep. I, I don't think we should add on any more to this. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. We've, we've plumbed the depths quite well. Yeah. But um, it's interesting. I am, I'm really drawn into it, though. So. Yeah. It's a powerful story from that other angle. Yeah. Right? I, I love that other angle. It was I do, really, too. Yeah. It's really profound to and get I, to wrestle with that. I love that the other angle includes the interpretation that I kind of felt import was important before. Good. The, yeah. You know, the, the money changers abusing or, you know, like overcharging the yeah. people, things like that. You yeah. Know? The, the, the abuse matters. Yeah. That it can be a both and kind of thing. Right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, a final thought in some ways with some of this, cause I think we actually stay with John next week. We get like mm -hmm. the post Nick at night. Or do we get Nick at night? I don't know. I don't remember. Like we're somewhere with like I'm Nicodemus <laughs> type of narrative. But like, but I just think about this, that one of the things that is really profound about this is that we is, and that I love about our theme mm -hmm. is that I think that so many of these texts and so much of these stories, we can read through a sociopolitical understanding of what's going on mm -hmm. in the world. But, um, but they also deeply impact bodies and our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that holding that tension and living in that tension mm -hmm. um, and wrestling with these interpretations, kind of like we did today, I think that that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Because it's, to me, that's, that is embodying yeah. and wrestling with, in a way, mm -hmm. um, and it just a proves, truly incarnational theology. Yeah. The word is living, too, right? It yeah. is a living word that was meaningful for so many people through so many centuries and still meaningful for us today. Amen. Yep. And on that note, thanks for being with us today. Yeah. Um, you've been listening to the Queen City Preachers podcast. I'm Pastor Andrew. And I'm Pastor Molly. And be well, friends.